Welcome to Working Sober, the podcast that empowers high achievers like yourself to take control of their drinking habits and maximize their career success. I'm your host, Melissa. Working Sober is here to inspire and support you on your journey. So sit back, relax, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Working Sober. I have another guest episode for you today with my friend Matt Gardner. He is a recovery coach and story work coach who has helped numerous people get out of their stuck stories and manage their addictions to effectively integrate sobriety into their lives. His motto is change your story, change your life, and I love it. I love that motto. And Matt's story is such an inspiration. We talked about his career journey from working at a supermarket age 16 for two decades to his work now as a recovery coach. I've heard of drinking in the restaurant industry, but turns out grocery store culture is very similar. Who knew? And we also talk about his time in the music industry as a working musician, his relationship with alcohol, how he got sober, not once but twice. And I love this story because for a brief period of time, Matt did go back to drinking. We always hear about these one-and-done sobriety stories, so I love that Matt has this part of his journey because I know that so many people will relate to that and feel so less alone because they have heard his story. If you resonate with Matt's journey, go check out his podcast, Beyond Recovery. I was recently a guest on his show. This week, the episode dropped, so if you're listening to this in real time, today is June 13th. Make sure you go back and listen to Matt's episode as soon as you're done. I share very vulnerably on there about things that I've never spoken about publicly, not even here on my own podcast, so I was very open and honest about my journey on there, so that episode will be linked in the show notes. Make sure you go check it out. Other than that, I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it and speaking with Matt. Leave me a comment over on our Substack. The link for that is in the show notes as well, or head to my Instagram, Melissa Kelly PhD, and let me know how you enjoyed this episode. I really, really, really want to hear from you. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Matt Gardner. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Melissa. How are you? Good. We were just chatting about how it's been so long since our last conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been like 72 hours or somewhere around there anyways. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually recently a guest on Matt's podcast, which I'm sure you'll get into talking about in just a moment. Um, well, do you know when that episode is going to drop? You were saying that it might drop by the time this is out. Yeah, so I was. Well, I guess we can talk about it right now. Like I, we're recording on Monday, May eighth, uh, and you were going to drop this. I think in J- early June. You said, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, correct? Early yeah. May June. Okay, so I'll make sure we'll we'll make sure that we have our dates as far as I, I think it'd be really cool to drop it on like the same week and then that way because yeah. I imagine there's going to be some content that's like a continuation of our conversation when you were on my show. So I thought that'd be a really cool way to to drop it, almost like a part one, part two sort of thing, but like with different roles. So I'll definitely do it the same week that you're uh, going to release this one. Okay, perfect. That sounds great. So I'll drop yeah. the link to my episode of Matt's podcast in the show notes. And so I guess why don't you just introduce yourself, tell us a bit about what you do, and maybe where you're from, all that fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. And thank you for having me on your show, by the way. Very, uh, very honored to be on here. So, uh, so yeah, Matt Gardner, I'm from Canada. I'm not sure if you can tell from the accent or not. People say I have an accent. It's funny because we talked a little accents when you were on my show because I was, had this idea that you were going to have this Irish accent. Uh, mind you, I'd already listened to some of your stuff on your Instagram. I'm like, wait a second, there's no accent there, right? So it's funny though, like when you're in, when I'm in Canada, I don't, I just speak 
how I speak, right? But people are like, oh, I can hear the Canadian accent. So in any event, uh, I'm from a, a smaller city, 70,000 people, Prince George, British Columbia. Uh, and I've been out in Edmonton, which is a little over a million people uh, for the past 20 years or so. So Canadian, um, yeah, I've been doing recovery coaching, sober coaching for about 15 months now. I had had a previous job, which is great because we, I know we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, alcoholism and, you know, and, and, and how it's affected my previous career and my career choice now and such. So, which will be, we'll get into that. Uh, I've been working at a, uh, a local, not a local, like Western Canadian grocery chain for about 23 years. Like I got hired when I was 16. It was my first job and I just kept kind of climbing the corporate rank, so to speak, got to assistant store manager and decided this wasn't for me anymore. And yeah, so I've been doing the sober coaching for about 16 months now. I also have a podcast, as you mentioned, and yeah, other than that, that's, that's pretty much what I have going on, uh, at the moment. Just, I was, I turned 40, um, in a couple of years ago. And that was when I really had that, I guess what used to be called the midlife crisis, existential crisis of just, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? You know what I mean? Um, choosing the words differently. I mean, supposed to is sort of that external idea of like what you're quote unquote supposed to be doing. So really figuring out like what I wanted to do with my life. And that was the, what I spent a lot of time, you know, the last couple of years really figuring out and and refining and, um, you know, doing the whole bet on myself thing. And yeah, it's been great. It's been wonderful. It's like a roller coaster ride. You know, there's some some high highs and then there's some low lows, which I actually welcome at this stage in my life. I like getting into those, you know, the dark nights of the soul, so to speak, I welcome those as opposed to numb those. And that's like the, the huge difference in my life these days than, you know, the, the mat from a few years ago. Yeah, definitely. And is there a certain type of client that you work with? Or how would you describe the people that tend to sign up and work with you for recovery coaching? Yeah, definitely. So I, I find I'm a great home for people that have say for example if they've gone through like uh inpatient treatment they've already done the 30 day 60 day 90 day whatever it may be and they're transitioning back into their life uh i'm a perfect second step for them as far as that goes um so far i found that i've gotten a lot of um people that are you know three four months in maybe a couple months in you know they've been doing a lot of that willpower thing and then they're sort of noticing okay there's you know these these uh cravings are still coming up or these cues are still really affecting me you know willpower can get you so far and mm -hmm. then I, we even talked about this on, on our on when you were on my show willpower will only get you so far uh and you, then you're finding that you're needing all these other things so um so i'm definitely a provider for that so uh yeah people that are like newly sober i would say that are sort of out of that like rock bottom moment they're starting to uh, pull the nose up a little bit and I'm there to definitely help them integrate back into their lives after they're out of like say treatment or whatnot. Um, definitely get a lot of, um, like people that are otherwise like really high functioning in their lives. Yeah. Like they have, they've leveled up in everything, but yet there's just that, that one thing that they just can't quite, uh, you know, put their finger on. It's just like, man, why, you know, and that it shows up in their inner dialogue a lot of times too, right? Like, you know, why can I not, you know, figure this one thing out. And that was very much my story, which I'm sure we'll get into, but you know, it's high functioning at everything and over like almost an overachiever at everything. Um, and in a way overachieving at drinking too, which, but it, that was like such a gap between like my personal life and you know, how I was showing up for myself versus what I was trying to project 
you know, out in the real world, so to speak. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not sure if that answers the question, but. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. And I just really relate to a lot of what you were just saying there as well. Kind of that performance that we can put on to try yeah. to. Yeah make it seem like we're an overachiever. I mean, look at everything that I'm doing. I can't possibly have a problem with alcohol. Right. Like I'm achieving all these things and yet yeah. you are. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, let's talk about your journey, your sobriety journey. And what I love about this particular podcast is we kind of explore where our sobriety journey and our career journey intersect because I mm. know it's so common for so many people after making a big life change, whether that is losing a lot of weight or having a diagnosis, having kids, quitting drinking, whatever that is, that has ripple effects in our life. And so oftentimes our career, we can come to a place where we're like, uh, what I'm doing for 40 hours every single week, which is a pretty significant chunk of time is no longer serving me and it's time for a change. So oh, yeah, you can just rewind back to maybe, I mean, as you said, as, as far back as you feel like going to. For sure. For sure. Well, I want to, yeah, I definitely want to do it in the context of like the career and all that, as I, I yeah, mentioned so. at the beginning there, like I got hired when I was so 16 years old. It was, uh, it was a considered like a great job, you know, a like great first job. And it was, you know, uh, but it was very apparent right off the bat. Like, so I'll, give a little bit of background before I got into the workforce, very shy kid. Um, uh, very, um, I don't know, just like uh, apprehensive about talking to strangers, you know, I'd be like, uh, you know, in the, it, in that same grocery store it was the grocery store that I, I shopped in with my mom when I was growing up. And, and, um, yeah, we were always just quiet. My mom is a quiet person, sort of a private person. So, you know, don't, uh, you know, it's don't speak unless spoken to sort of thing. So I was very much that. So the being put in a customer service job very much pulled me on my shell. One of the things that I, one of my reactions to talking to people is I would just go red, like instantly, especially if an adult or somebody that like I perceived had like some form of power or like authority and they start like, Hey, what do you think, Matt? And I just go red. And it was just like, man. So I think that had a lot to do with it too. I had this physicality that would just make me feel like, super small and i just want to fade in the background you know when girls would talk to me in high school even if they were flirting with me i just go red and think they were making fun of me and then i was like so i had like no you know so there was just these things that were like very challenging for me uh worth mentioning too you know my parents divorced when i was 13 and i'd had a fairly sheltered childhood up to that point and then it was just you know the veils lifted and it's like okay this my whole childhood was not quite what i thought it was you know my parents actually, yeah. right yeah and it was a very like you say a very transitional age because like where i where i grew up uh high school was 13 to sort of like sorry uh, grade 8 to 12 there's no middle school and mm -hmm. i was pretty small you know i hadn't hit a growth spurt till about grade 10 so i was just this shy small kid who was going through it at home. I was having a hard time adjusting in high school. So I was getting bullied a bit too, just cause I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't saying anything. So like, what's the, what's the deal with this kid? Let's go bug him, you know? So there was a bit of that. And so it's just a little bit rough. And then, so, you know, I get into this, this job and it's really forcing me to talk to, talk to people and come out of my shell and just learn about the workforce. And, you know, right away, uh, it was a shock to the system because there was like a party culture in within that the grocery store and, and and i was like wow is this actually how how real life is you know like there'd be like um you know like a, at christmas time we'd have like a bottle of whiskey in in the deli cooler 
and people would be drinking and I have this, I'm like, well, I get to do this? Like, well, yeah. I've never right. heard even grocery store culture. Right, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, it's similar to like restaurant culture in some ways, right? Yeah, and people would just like drink on the job or we'd go out and like smoke a doobie like on a break and go back to work and stuff like that. Uh, sorry for outing anybody that's like, kind of damn you, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I remember like I if, um, you know, if somebody called in sick, uh for their closing shift they call me and after i was finished it with high school and they, hey can you close close the i'm like yeah sure i can do that so i'd work four hours and as i come in the assistant bakery manager would like on the sales floor pull out a doobie and just be like thanks for coming in tonight and tuck it into my work shirt i'm like okay and then you know that was like my badge of honor i thought it was so cool like walking How around with it like i was like 16 yeah I was 16 oh, so gosh. to me this really sort of appealed to me and then i it, so you can kind of see where like it, it went hand in hand with me sort of coming out and learning to talk to people and everything. And then I thought that like, you know, the drinking and the drugs was helping that. And I'm like, oh, this is the true me. And this is how the real world works. Right. So that was sort of my introduction into like drugs and alcohol, you know, um, and that's continued on. Uh, and that especially with drinking, like that was my, you know, you hear this the term social lubricant. Like I was very. Mm -hmm. Uh, nervous about going to parties and such but then i'd have a couple you know the pre-gaming you know to have a couple of drinks before i went and i'm like oh cool i can like talk to everybody and you know what i mean talk to that girl that i i was always afraid of afraid to talk to you and so that's that sort of thing so um also worth mentioning i i'd gotten out of sports by that point and got into music so we talked about identity when you were on my show and that was like i started identifying as like the uh like a musician so and a little bit of like a tortured artist because i could like filter the way i was feeling about my parents divorce and everything through songs that were mm -hmm. sort of like autobiographical but they had this like uh veil of fiction put upon them so then people are like oh is that how you feel i'm like no no it's just like a made-up song you know but in in the meantime i'm really expressing myself and getting sort of internalizing uh some of those you know feelings that i was going through so um but also reading you know led zeppelin autobiographies or biographies the rock bios about like getting drunk and destroying hotel rooms and 16 or 17 year old me is like that's so cool yeah so yeah that's when i really started forming that like tortured artist uh that's a little dramatic i'm saying that with tongue in cheek but you know what i mean getting into that sort of style of things but so yeah that was like my early uh experience with work was just like oh it's like the wild west like people are still smoking inside like there's a smoker room in the back right you know, I'm aging myself a little bit here, um, you know, and just like smoking eat after the shift or sometimes on shift drinking, not all, it wasn't like every day, but just for like certain times. Right. So I'm like, okay, I guess this is the real world. And, you know, so fast forward into my, my twenties, by this time, I'd always viewed it as like a transitional job. Like I was going to, I, I did audio engineering in school. So like recording bands and then producing albums and I, I was going to be a musician and also do audio production. I wanted to be a, a music producer, which I still am, but this, I never got to the point I'm doing it as a career. Uh, so I was doing that. And, and so I was, I was like, okay, save on foods. That's where I was working. Uh, was going to be, you know, my overlap job until I became this like successful musician. And, you know, I just, time kept passing and, and I was doing well with the bands and such, but never to the point where I could pay my bills. I ended up uh, buying a house with my girlfriend at the time at age 23, which is pretty young for that, you know, uh, for that responsibility. And that's when I really sort of 
turned a corner with two things a just my sense of responsibility i'm like okay i can't just like live in basement suites anymore i have this house i have this mortgage felt very much more like responsible than an adult uh but with that pressure i started drinking more so to like numb the pressure voices of like oh there's so much on the line here and and who was this a mistake and all that i just you know drink drink more and and silence that voice right uh, so the partying definitely increased, uh, by that time I was playing, you know, in three bands, right. They were playing all around town and around, uh, the city in Alberta and everything that we're living in. So meanwhile, like things are leveling up, I'm getting promoted at work, uh, but my drinking is increasing. So everything's leveling up, including the amount I'm drinking. Right. Um, you know, and, and I, you know, early twenties, I saw this idea. Okay. All I need is like one hit, you know what I mean? Or one good tour to go well. And like, I'm off to the races with that. And you know, it, it's, it became apparent, I'd say like mid, more like late twenties, where it's like, this is fun. I'm not really sure if it's going to necessarily, you know, end up being like a, a full on career, especially with my financial responsibilities that I do have. So, and I was, I, that's where it was a bit of a tough pill to swallow for sure. Um, so that was where it was like sort of this intersection where like, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll continue to do the music and I'm, I'm enjoying it and so forth, but let's like level up on the career. So, and I was really, by the, I think by that time I'd realized like coming up on my thirties, I'm like, okay, I'm still getting a lot out of this job. So let's just go like full bore on that. Cause I can make a career out of this. I was always a little bit resentful towards it beforehand, as far as like more, I, I shouldn't say to it. It was, it was, I was being resentful to myself. And, um, so by thirties, I was like, okay, I started getting into upper management. So I, I it's a little bit earlier than that 27, I got bakery manager and it was kind of an, uh, again, an unusual day because I, uh, I got named bakery manager, which was very young, like 27. Most of the bakery managers were like 40 or people that have been doing like long tenured careers. So I was right place at the right time. And by that time I had already had like, you know, 10 years experience. So uh, and I remember that same day I was on like the front page of the sports and entertainment section for my band. We had like a full, full color picture of my band, uh, but my CD release that was coming out. So it was so cool. I like, I was literally, I just got named bakery manager. And then I went to the break room and I was feeling good about myself. And I saw my full color picture, like the main newspaper here in town. I was like, yeah, what a day. Right. So that really spoke to like these things that were leveling up. Um, and yeah, so by that time I was like, okay, this is. You know, I was able to reflect and go, you know, this is like what's brought me out of my shell. I have these like customer service skills now. I have like leadership skills that I've gotten out of this job. Um, I can keep doing this, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it. They move you around a lot. There's a lot of stores. So I get to meet new people every, you know, anywhere from eight months to maybe a year and a half. I'll be at a store and then they'll plunk you somewhere else. So there was a lot of like newness and freshness. There's my cat trout likes to come <laughs> podcast all the time. Um, you know, so that, that part was cool. And, and, um, again, with the increased income that I was getting, I was drinking more again. Right. So I just, I, the, the drinking was leveling up along with everything else. And there was a couple of things that happened. Uh, when I was 27, I hospitalized myself with acute pancreatitis from drinking too much. Mm-hmm. And that was like the, the first big wake up call I was in the hospital for three days you know, and that was right in around that time where like all that other thing was happening, promoted and the band was doing well. Um, you know, and that was where I, uh, I stopped, I decided I'm not going to drink, uh, rye anymore because rye was what did this to me. I can be a beer drinker now, right? Nobody ever has problems with beer. (laughs) 
So I transitioned to beer drinker. And then before you know it, I'm drinking like at least a case, usually more like on, on certain instances. Right. Um, and then by the time I was 30 was when I just finally had just everything bottomed out on a personal level. Uh, I'd say more like emotional level, I will say, because on a personal level, I, I just got promoted again. I got handed a brand new store to open, which is like a tip of the cap that like, hey, you've you've done well. We trust you with opening a brand new store as a bakery manager. Um, and, uh, and my band got a $10,000 grant to record a professional album. So again, leveling up, leveling up. And then finally, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I remember my first day at that job. Um, I went out to the parking lot on my break and slammed two like strongbow ciders and puked everywhere and then just went back in and started working. And I was just like, what am I, what kind of, what, what did I just do? What was the point of that? You know? And, uh, it was just, yeah, it was bad, bad scene. So finally that's when I just like, I put my hand up. I'm like, I need help. Like I can't keep doing this. And, uh, you know, I got five weeks off work. The first two of the five weeks I went on this massive bender to get it out of my system. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> And then the final three weeks after that is when I when I committed myself to uh, you know at least attempting a recovery. So I went to an AA meet, my first AA meeting with a friend of mine. He took me there, and um, you know, and then off the back of that, I felt this like profound like spiritual one eighty shift off of like the first few minutes of the AA meeting. It really something changed me beyond what like normally can happen with that type of thing. Something intervened uh, spiritually with me. And, uh, and off of that, I was sober for, you know, three years, three months. Uh, again, that's when like everything just really leveled up again. I got up into like upper management. So, uh, assistant store manager, um, I got in great shape. I started going to the gym every day. Um, you know, everything was like, okay, this is, this is the life I'm supposed to be leading here. And, um, you know, after three years of that, and I started dipping my toe in, in self-development, getting to like Wayne Dyer and some, some other, uh, audio books like that, mm-hmm. but I never truly, ad- uh, uh, addressed like the why I was drinking, you know what I mean? Uh, like I dabbled with it a little bit, but I never got into like the, the emotional stuff that was coming up. I still found ways to, to push it down and avoid it. Whether it was, you know, if I was feeling odds, oh, go to the gym, you know, I was still outrunning it or avoiding it in some fashion. I just replaced alcohol with like a different pattern. Right. So, you know, um, as a result, I ended up relapsing after three years, three months sober. I had this idea that I was going to be like the one person that had an alcohol problem that can drink moderately afterwards. Right. You know, I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm cured. I'm okay. I got this. We were always so good at that back when we were drinking. Right. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. I have a wonderful track record to prove that I can do this. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, sh- and, sh- and sure enough, uh, you know, 0% success rate. I tried every moderation technique you could think of Melissa. It was like, Oh, there's cat, the cat again. I'd have like the beer out in the garage. I'm like only, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm hanging out in the garage all the time. I'm like, I'm just going to have the beer out warm. Nobody likes warm beer. I don't like warm beer. All of a sudden I'm drinking warm beer all the time. I'm like, oh, I'll drink like local beer. So that way I'm feeling good. You know, I'm feeling good about myself. I'm supporting local, you know what I mean? And all of a, and there's like way more expensive than all the other beers. All of a sudden I'm just drinking all of that and my beer bill is doubled. You know, I'm only drink when I go out all of a sudden I'm going out like five nights a week, you know, everything I tried, I was just like, like springboard over the line I'd set for myself. I just walk right over it like every time. So, uh, yeah. And then the fast forward to when I was 37 years old, uh, my dad passed away uh, a couple of days before Chris was 2018 and he'd been 
a heavy drinker his whole life, like, you know, from teenage years till he passed away at 66. I had been retired for a year. And, um, and I was just like, I'm like, I'm on that same path, you know? Um, and you know, I, that didn't stop me right away. Of course. Uh, there was a couple more months that I, I continued to drink, but it really, there was a, this voice in the back of my head, this, it was a lot more like, Hey, like it's time, it's time, you know, like you got to do this again. And, uh, you know, I was, I was heading out to a celebration of life. Actually, it was in April of 2019. And so it's my hometown, the Prince George, what I was mentioning, it's about eight hours straight shot West from Edmonton and right in between the two, like to the kilometer, to the minute is the Canadian Rockies. And there's a town in there called Jasper that I just love. And it's beautiful. And I'd had some history there with my dad and such. And as I was driving through, I was actually, I want to frame this a little bit better. Uh, I was coming out of like, it's just like one of these like perfect storms of, of, you know, all the ingredients that were needed to, 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 you know, have this happen for me. Um, I was coming out of like a really rough party weekend I'd up all night doing cocaine and drinking and smoking cigarettes, all this rubbish. Right. And I, uh, you know, on four hours sleep, I'm driving out there strung out, just like, you know, so derogatory towards myself and less like, what am I doing? And it was a beautiful sunny day and I'm driving through like the Canadian Rockies and feeling nothing like less than nothing. I felt like void. Uh, and it was very scary to me actually. And, you know, I, I ended up just taking out my cell phone and just like, I, I needed to get the energy moving. I'm like, wow, I'm such a dark man. And, uh, and I just started like verbalizing and articulating, you know, how I'm feeling the sensations I'm feeling, um, you know, and just asking for help and all these different things. There was definitely some like suicidal ideation and, mm -hmm. And, um, I think just after I'd said all that out loud, again, I had sort of like what I had in that AA meeting where there was just like that shift inside of me. And then all of a sudden the rest of the drive, I was like much more solutions focused, right? Like, and just doing like the talking myself up, the, the inner dialogue had completely changed. I was like, Hey, I've done this before. I can do this again. I'll do this for dad. You know, there's this whole lineage of drinking on his side of the family, Irish background. Uh, you know, so, you know, it was all about like coming home, the stoic, you know, work hard, have a few drinks after work. Like that was like that whole lineage. And, and I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do this for you, dad. And like the lineage can stop with me and will stop with me. And I just ended up having a wonderful trip, completely changed person. I met my brother out there. I have one older brother and, uh, we, yeah, it was cool. We hadn't been home together in like 20 years. And it was like this really cool, like, you know, nostalgic, you know, trip down memory lane. We went to like the schools we went to and just walked around everywhere and just had this like kind of healing going on and connection with dad. And, you know, my brother and my dad had had a big falling out, never had a chance to resolve it. Uh, so I think there was just this like collective healing that happened with the three of us, even though, you know, he's on the other side by that point, it just felt. I just felt so different in light and, uh, you know, honestly, I haven't looked back since. So, um, I'll definitely get into, uh, I'll pause it here, but I'll definitely get into like what created the opportunity for me to shift careers. And, and it, cause it very much had to do with like removing that alcohol from my system and from my, my habits. Um, you know, so, but I'll pause it here cause I, that was a lot of information. So <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate your honesty and candor there. Mm -hmm. I know sometimes it can be difficult remembering and reflecting back on those very dark times. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, for sure. And um, a couple of questions. So you, whenever you went back to drinking, uh, you, you said you relapsed. How long were you drinking again before you decided to stop? 
Yeah, it was, I would say a little over three years, probably three and a half years or so that I was desperately trying moderation and mm -hmm. the moderation would turn into binge drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And what was that like day to day? Like, did alcohol just consume your mind all the time or because there's some there's a certain person in my life. I won't share who it is just for their anonymity, but they had 10 years of sobriety and mm. went back to drinking. Yeah. And since then, they found it very difficult to stay sober longer than a couple months here and there. Mm. Yeah. And they've always told me and they're very you know, they always share how proud they are of me. And they always say, Melissa, it's hard the first time around, but it's even mm -hmm. more difficult the second time around. And yeah. Instilled this like, not fear, but just realism in me. Certainty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To go back because totally be twice as hard. Did you like, how did you find those two different instances of having to quit? Because I'm sure there's a whole load of like mental baggage that you're putting oh. on yourself from going back yeah. to it as well. Yeah, it's a great topic, actually. Yeah, for sure. So that first time, like I said, I think there was definitely like an intervention, something beyond me that like that tapped me or helped me or yeah, like there was something that happened. I'll tell you, there was a physicality to it. Like I felt like there was somebody that had been sitting on my shoulders and this is the AA meeting in 2012, the first time I sobered up and literally just lifted and I started tearing up and I was a changed person for like whatever it was, three years, everything was going beautifully. So for me to sort of spoil that or my ego, you know, came back into play and, and, and spoiled it the second time. Yeah, for sure. There was, um, I remember when I, when I would start slipping back into my old patterns, like it was initially it was quote unquote moderation for a couple months. And then I crossed the line the first time where I brought something home because my, I used to drink a lot by myself. So the first time I brought some booze home after I'd like finished all my chores in the morning, I had the rest of the day. I'm like, I got nothing to do. Maybe I'll have some, some drinks. Right. And, uh, I had this like massive panic attack. I had the first drink and I had this like inner dialogue voice that was beyond what I would normally have. Like, it was like a voice I've pictured as like my, my, maybe my grandpa or like somebody that was like, you know, giving me a little wake up call. And he said, if you keep drinking this, you're going to kill yourself. And yeah. I was like, oof. And then I was like, I got really panicked and i kept drinking it because like i didn't want to waste it you know of course uh but i started like really freaking out i was yeah. like what the fuck you know and i excuse my language and i was like journaling about it and all this i'm like i can't do this i can't do this and then I'd, i i waited a couple weeks and then i was like whoo glad that's over let's have some drinks you know so like these patterns kept coming up it was very very challenging and i felt um yeah it was there was a lot of like you say mental baggage that came along with it uh, it was, um, yeah, the hardest part was just this idea that I can't control it. And like, I'm like, how did I, I had three years break? I'm a completely different person. I've done all this self-work. I'm in much better shape. I have much better priorities in my life. How am I not able to do this? It just drove me nuts. And I would just try technique after technique. And, um, and it was just, uh, it was such a painful thing. And when you're talking about what is I thinking about it all the time? Yeah, I think so. You know, like I heard a quote one time that really resonated. I heard this quote after the fact, of course, was, uh, you know, it's, I think it was like Michael Jordan or somebody like this. It's like, it's easier to do something a hundred percent of the time. And I, I, you know, I use the analogy or the simile, you know, dieting, right? If you had that one cheat day, what do you like where you get to eat donuts and whatever you want? What are you going to be thinking the rest of the six days? You're like, oh, I can't wait. I'm going to have donuts. I'm going to have some cake, you know, or whatever else. And so you're just thinking about that. And that was the same thing for me. I was like, 
from Monday to Friday, I was like, you know, I'd be like irritable and then I'd almost be basing, oh, okay, well, you know, I can, I can relax because on Friday I can let loose, you know? So really like spike and, and dip my mood all week. I, uh, I wasn't being fair to myself or like the relationships that I was in. Um, and honestly it was like, it would be like that first sip is like that euphoria. And then after that, it's just like, you know, uh, reduced dividends after that. Right. So, mm -hmm. and I realized that the worst part is like, I was aware now, you know, where before there was like, I was younger, I had all this, like these other stories that I was bringing up and like, well, you know, my parents divorced and all this stuff. I was over that already. So now it was just, it was just me. I just had me and it was incredibly um frustrating painful um yeah many many different things and um and yeah just not being able to figure crack the code so to speak um yeah. was was incredibly frustrating yeah my only kind of comparison that i can make to that is having drinking dreams have mm. you experienced those where i haven't actually yeah i hear about these a lot but yeah I've, i luckily i think you know i yeah. yeah i have never had one of these yeah it's very scary yeah, because now there's the part of your brain that's super aware of what a life without alcohol feels like and looks like and how that is mm. experienced and how amazing it is. And it's like, you never want to go back to that place that you were in before. And you have all this new knowledge and you're like, wait, what am I doing? Why do I, why am I drinking this? It's like a panic. It's just yeah, crazy. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Very similar the way that you're describing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So how did, quitting drinking the second time impact your career then? Yeah, big time. So, uh, as I mentioned, you know, after the, the whole dad celebration of life, um, so that was April, 2019, uh, man, I really dialed in like my, my habits and patterns. I, I did a big deep dive into like the self-help development, self-development, uh, genre as well. Uh, so a lot of audiobooks, a lot of podcasts, um, you know, I, I committed to doing, uh, it was like a power hour. So like six different things, at least 10 minutes a day, every day. And I kept that up other than I missed two days of the full year. Uh, and that was amazing. So really getting myself back in, you know, better shape mentally, physically. Um, and I, I noticed at that stage of the game that, um, yeah, when I started thinking about my future, I started saying stuff to myself like i only have to do this job for another 15 years you know only, only. and uh, yeah and uh and then i'll be set and i got that retire you know i can retire and do whatever i want and every time i said that like i have this like physical sensation of like i guess the opposite of expansion right like whatever that is like kind of contraction yeah mm -hmm. contraction right and i would feel like diminutive and like, kind of heavy and dark and i'm like okay well, what is going on like I, I like my job, right? I would say that, and I'm, but what would be, I say, well, I like my job. And then I do these justifications. I got six weeks paid vacation. The benefits are awesome, right? To me, looking back on that, that is like when you're justifying something there, you know what I mean? You don't justify why you're in a relationship. I mean, hopefully you don't, you know what I mean? Oh, I really like camping with that person. It's like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's gotta be just pure. It's gotta be like, yeah. it's not something that you're thinking about and ruminating about in that way. So there was, I was curious about that. I'm like, hmm interesting knowing now like looking back on it like my pattern was very much like work the whatever 10 hours come home crush a few beers let it off you know what i mean wake up rinse repeat and without that alcohol in there i was starting to experience this like literal like i articulate as like dread like anxiety i'm not a generally an anxious person but there was like when i wasn't at work i was like 
immersed in it. I was still thinking about it. I was like, man, did I say the right thing to that person? You know, just really getting into that, like kind of a like, shadowy side uh, of it and feeling like less than when I wasn't there. So I was bringing work home with me. I brought home, you know, uh, all the work on the work laptop so I could kind of like keep plugged in. Cause like, I thought that's what was kind of, you know, if I can like do like little micro dosing of work at home, then that'll kind of curb that whole dread that I was feeling just made it worse. Like, you know, it would just show up stronger later on in the day when I wasn't working on it. And it just wasn't healthy. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, that, you know, and then fast forward into the pandemic. So like a year into that where I'll like leveled up again, just like getting more centered with myself this time. And I'm feeling really good about myself, but this, the work thing, I'm like, what is going on here? Like, what is not cl clicking for me? Excuse me. And, um, yeah. And then the pandemic hit, uh, which is, it was a challenging spot to work in like a grocery store. I know it sounds kind of goofy, but it was like at, at the beginning of that pandemic, especially, you know, people literally fist fighting in the aisles over like toilet paper. You know, I don't know if you remember that whole thing. Uh, and just it was nuts, man. Like there was a panic because everybody didn't yeah. know what the hell was going on the in the world. Lines of it. Front lines, right? And so it initially started as like people were like thanking us for our service. I kind of felt like I was, you know, my dad was a fireman. So I can only imagine that's sort of like what he got his whole 35 year career. I'm like, yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah. About time I've been getting things, you know what I mean? The ego side of me, I'm, I'm kidding, of course, but there was a part of me, I'm like, yeah, I feel pretty good about this. I'm like a hero, you know? And then like two weeks after that, it's just like everybody, you know, why is the water priced? You know, everybody starts like laying into you as, as they did before, People right? back to normal. You're back to normal, right? They're like, yeah, no, no thanks to you anymore. It's like, why is the line so long? I'm like, well, there's a pandemic and people panic buying, you know, getting back into that whole thing. I was oh, like, oh, that yeah, I'm like, that didn't last very long. I was a hero for like two weeks. Um, so at that point, it was like, there was a lot of things that were like, not necessarily quote unquote in the job description. I understand it was like, there was uh, pretty much everybody had that happen, but it was, it definitely affected me where I was just like, it really amplified a lot of the things that I didn't necessarily like about the job anymore. They really got amplified. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and that's where I was just like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing here? Like, and when I say supposed to, like supposed to and should to me is like external feedback that that I then interpret as like, I'm supposed to be doing this. Well, who's saying that? Is that truly me or is that society? That sort of thing. So I, I know that when I'm saying that, but I, I'll still say that that was the verbiage I was using. And um, yeah. And that's basically where I, I, I did another year of the pandemic. We actually opened a brand new store here in town during the third wave of the pandemic. So we were doing all the hiring. Like I had to do like 200 interviews with people with the masks, very challenging. You know, you're doing eye contact, but you can't see the rest of the face. And when you're like doing interviews, I'm sure, you know, is like, you got to get a good read and a vibe off the person, but it's very guarded. And like, you can kind of, you know, be playful with your eyes to a degree, but it's, you miss yeah. a lot with the way that you, people are articulating themselves, the body language, very, uh, very much. Uh, it was a big challenge. And what yeah. was your role at this time by the were you uh assistant store manager okay. yeah. yeah so okay. i was like in charge of like the health and safety committee mm -hmm. uh the onboarding for like a lot of the store like there was it was a pretty high profile position uh to have you know to open a store like that and it was yeah so um there was a lot to it and it was like on one side of it, it's like my crowning jewel of like my career for sure um you know, and we, we opened the store and I thought that was, was going to be my career resurgence. This is what I needed. This is what I need to sink my teeth into. And like two weeks after we opened the store, I was like back to the way I was feeling, but like worse. 
I was like super sarcastic, um, just uh, dark, uh, like not really liking God. I felt very phony. I'd show up. I felt this like sensation of like, you know, like that dread and like pins and needles in my stomach and like, you know, shortness of breath, like chest breathing. But yet when I talked to somebody, I'd be smiling and all this. I felt very out of alignment. Um, and that was just the way I was like coping or dealing with it. And then finally, uh, in the beginning of 2022, I asked for, uh, six months off. I took a sabbatical and I figured, you know what, this is, yeah, it's been, I've been through a lot. There's been some stress and so forth. And I've never taken a substantial amount of time off work. And, uh, what I'm going to do is all the stuff that I'm talking about doing when I'm, you know, 15 years from now, I'm just going to start doing some of that now. Right. And I'll go back refreshed and I'll do that next 15 years, you know? And uh, it was morning one of the sabbatical. I had that voice that I was telling you about earlier that said, you're not going back there. I was like, hmm, interesting. What's where, who said that? And like, you know, and like, wh- why would I not go back? You know? And so anyways, I, I was open to that. So I explored that. And then I, I noticed that like dready feeling, that sensation that I had in the pit of my stomach. I started like listening to that. And I, you know, I, I guess looking back on it now, it's, it's my intuition, right? It's going, you're not you're not, you're, you're meant to do something different. Um, and then, so I got about a couple months into my sabbatical. Um, I'd done a lot of different, just different things, exper- experimenting. And that's when I started like listing the things that I liked about the job and then things I'm passionate about, you know, doing that whole like work workshop type situation. And, yes. and, uh, I definitely, I loved the coaching mentoring, uh, aspect of my job, like just my experience of 20 plus years, uh, as the company was expanding where there was a lot of people that would just get you know, they call it fast track in these positions. So they didn't really have that much experience yet. They're getting put in these high profile positions. And, you know, for me, I was like, I've been through it all. I like literally just like climb went from like part-time closer to pretty much every job in between to assistant store manager. So I understood, you know, imposter syndrome. I understood, um, you know, just the mechanics of like, you know, being able to help people, customer service relations, all that stuff. I just been immersed in it for 20 plus years. So I, I felt I was very uh, equipped to be able to help help people uh, navigate their like fast trackedness and so forth. Uh, so I love that aspect of it. I love coaching people and, and, and developing people. So I combined that with just my, you know, uh, background with like sobriety and, and my own personal experience of being able to sober up twice, you know, and, uh, and I You're just, that good. you did it twice. You did it. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure, you know, I want to make sure I could do it again. I, it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, so combining the two of those, uh, and that wasn't perfectly on, you know, to be perfectly honest, that wasn't, uh, initially, what I want like as soon as I got the coaching certifications, I was like, I want to help everybody, you know, yeah. be like the next Tony Robbins or whatever, right? Not realizing I'm sure Tony Robbins had like a specific niche to kind of get your foot in the door, right? Get his foot in the door. Uh, so I ended up taking like a business mentoring program that was very much like, hey, nobody knows who you are yet. You're just starting out. Just find your little corner to set up your lemonade stand. You know, your people will find you. And then from there, you can expand outwards. And, you know, uh, as as you go, you can you know, help find ways to help more people depending on like how you sort of expand on your niche. So yeah, that's, that's what I ended up doing. I, I, I did go back to my job, uh, you know, after the six month sabbatical under this idea, by that time I'd taken a few coaching certifications and I had this idea that I was going to do just some overlap. So I, I stepped down from assistant store manager and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back in a lesser role so I can pay my bills and then I can work on my coaching business, uh, in the meantime. 
And it was like, so apparent, like from like day one that I went back, it was just like, man, so challenging. Like, uh, it's um, hard in a different way, isn't it? It is. It is. And like, okay. you know, people, people remember me as this other person, but yeah. like, I'm, and then part of me still wants to like interact like that, but I'm like a lesser role. And it was just like really muddy waters. And then it was like me being this completely different person trying to like integrate with the old world that I used to exist in. That was like, it is very like sort of sarcastic and like uh, sort of surface level conversations with people. And I, I don't want to say like, I met some wonderful people. Like I went, my, met my wife there. Some of my best friends are there, but generally speaking, when you're dealing with like the general public and you know, like, uh, you know, retail has like all sorts of people working there. So I just felt like, I don't know. It was so like, I'm like, I, I really wanted to go back in there with best intentions. And I found myself sort of sucked back into these, like, uh, lesser than that I view about myself character traits. And I was like, Ooh, this is not going to work, you know? And, um, so I got four months into that and, uh, and I, I did, uh, my level two graduation for the coaching certification I had. And I remember like my, my, the head coach, it's been lifted. Uh, he's just a Mark England. He's a fantastic presenter. And, uh, at the end of it, as like at the end of the grad call, he was doing this thing and everybody's getting emotional. He was doing this whole, like, it was this beautiful metaphor for, for coaching and the power of coaching and, and just staying true to yourself, Whew, getting emotional now. And, uh, like he, he hung up on the, the zoom call and I just stared at my computer for like two minutes. It felt like an hour. And then finally I was like, I'm quitting tomorrow. I'm going to, let's do this. Right. I, I didn't quite quit. I typed up the letter though. Uh, you know, and it felt pretty powerful, like 23 years yeah. of my life, you know, and, uh, I had it in my back pocket and I realized, you know, like, let's think about this now. Cause I, there was financially, I had to make sure I was set up for it as well. Right. So I went in and like refinanced the house. We got the mortgage payments, like as low as we could get. Um, they're like, yeah, so you still like, like I literally, I think it was like the last day that I worked at save on foods was the same day that I had the appointment with the bank. And they're like, you're still working to save on foods. I'm like, yep, yep. Still working there for like another one shift. And then, <laughs> so they pushed it through all the bank and all that. And then, yeah, it was like that was just after that, like two days after that, I'm like, I'm was doing coaching full time. And I call it that full time. You know, there's that awkward transition where, you know, people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I, I didn't want to say life coach. Cause I thought that was kind of good. I'm like, I'm yeah. doing this thing where like, you know, over explain it, you know, I'm like, I was at save on. So there was a couple months where it was like super awkward to like try and explain what I'm doing and getting comfortable with that side of me, that new identity that I'm creating. Right. Which totally makes sense. So like, you know, mm -hmm. but looking back on it, it's kind of funny, but I, it was so, it was challenging for me to explain to people. You know, and um, yeah, and then so since then I've been, I say I've been doing it full time, like now, have I been uh, reimbursed, so to speak? Not yet. And then that's totally cool. But I'm in there, I'm working on my business full time. Uh, you know, I've had a, a great run with like group coaching and, and some clients and such. And uh, I know it's just a matter of time, you know what I mean? I'm confident with myself and just with my uh, relationship with like the universe, like, you know, yeah. whether, whatever higher power you believe in, I believe definitely in a higher power. And I believe there's like a co-creation going on. And that if I stick true to myself and continue on and put that energy towards that with the idea that it, you know, it's like farming, right. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there. And at some point I'm going to be like, ah, here's, you know, here's my crops and, and so forth. So, Ah, uh, yeah, it's been, it's, yeah, lots to say about like the transition into it, but I'll, I'll pause it and just yeah, see yeah. if there's any topics you want to 
jump into. I really relate to what you were talking about there, that kind of messy middle in between of trying to explain to people. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm at this point even 100% confident explaining to people what I do, because for me, it's kind of changed and evolved yeah. throughout my time. Um, and it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to do this recovery sobriety coaching thing now. I started off doing career coaching and helping people transition out of academia and into other careers and working on confidence. And I kind of had a bit of imposter syndrome about being a sobriety coach, or I didn't want to be in that world, or I don't know what it was. But when did you decide to pursue recovery specifically as your niche? Or was there any mind drama around doing that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah, there was. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, I'm not alone. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was so, yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah. I'd love, actually love to talk to you about this because I'm wondering how much similarities there were to, to you and I on this. Uh, so like I say, I, I initially, uh, as soon as I'd got the coaching certifications, I'm like, I, you know, the enlifted, like the story work coaching style works with literally anything. Like I could, I could gone into business. I could have gone into, uh, really any other, you know, genre of coaching. And initially I'm like, oh, this is going to be life coaching to help everyone. And then realizing after I'd gone through that business mentoring program, excuse me, um, the importance of, you know, picking something and it was right on the tip of my tongue, like the whole sobriety thing. But I was still like, well, no, I don't necessarily, there was part of me that didn't want to necessarily come out with my own story about it. I was very secretive of oh, my yeah. recovery up to that point. Um, yeah, I was still like so close to my previous career, which I was very guarded about telling people about that. And um, I didn't, I wasn't sure how, I just, wasn't sure if I wanted that out there. You know what I mean? It felt, I felt like a, a bit of a weakness at, at that time. Uh, so I was thinking of other different things. I was thinking of, um, like grief, like specifically like loss of a loss of a loved one, uh, breakup or divorce, uh, just cause I'd gone through obviously the divorce as a kid. So I had a unique perspective over, you know, being able to see it like with the parents, uh, and then being a child of a divorce. So just understanding that dynamic very intimately, um, as well as like, I ha always had a tough time with breakups. I'm going to be honest, uh, with, with girlfriends over the years, um, and I knew how it made me feel and all that. And so I, I did a lot of just sort of like deep inner dive into that genre. So I thought that would be a, a great, so I was like, it was sort of neck and neck. And I remember there was like a weekend I went out to the mountains and I'm like, which one am I going to pick? And I was honestly leaning towards like the grief and like loss of a loved one, broken heart kind of coaching, I guess. And, uh, and then, yeah, I don't even really know why I just, I think I just, you know what I got more, I started doing some more like market research into either one. And I'm just like, I know the alcohol recovery thing like very 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 well and i can speak on it and so it's just a matter of just like getting out of my own way and realizing like you know it's okay i can uh you know i by that time there was about two months past uh, you know qu uh, quitting the job so i'm like it's you know what it's all good like i'll just i'll say my story um and maybe it'll help somebody so there was that just getting over that initial shyness and uh worrying about what people were going to say and realizing that's either not a thing or it's not to the extent that I think it is or, you know, whatever kind of thing. You know what I mean? Just like realizing it's all good. And then also realizing like the feedback that I've been getting is like, it's a, it's a fairly constant pattern with recovery as far as it's usually the opposite. What do you think? So when I took that time off work, I thought I was going to get like shunned by my family. I thought I was going to get fired from my job. 
it was the opposite. My family band around me, the person, my boss at the time was like, take whatever you need. We support you. I was like, oh, that was not what I was expecting. The AA meeting. I'm like, I'm expecting all these, like the caricatured, angry, drunk people, like the one guy shaking in the corner. And just, you know what I mean? I had this like vision of what it was going to be. It was the exact opposite. Right. So same thing with, by the time I was coming out with my story, my recovery story, I was like, oh man, here we go. Everybody's like, fucking talk about, oh, I knew Matt was drunk the whole time and all this kind of stuff. And it was like, uh, maybe there is a little bit of that, whatever. But the majority of people were like reaching out to be like, wow, like I had no idea or like, thank you for sharing that. So mm -hmm. that's what came out of it. And then after that, it was just a matter of getting out of my own way and realizing this is my life. Like I've been battling this since I was 16 years old and I know it very intimately. And um, I have a relatable story i think you know there's always like nuances depending on like where you where you're from and you know some family history of this and that but generally speaking recovery stories have some very similar uh you know broad strokes don't they yeah you can always see yourself in other people's journeys even if like i see myself in your journey even though our journeys are nothing alike really right. in many yeah. ways yeah. um do you do you identify as an alcoholic do you use that word i mean when i go to an aa meeting I do. I, it's like when it's in okay. Rome, when in Rome. Yeah, I do. Like not as much as I, uh, uh, you know, as I used to certainly like I was doing an, a meeting every day or every other day for about the first eight months on that first uh, time. So curiously enough, I didn't use AA really at all in the second stint of sobriety. And that's why I, I found, you know, like just the, everything that had worked for me is sort of what my program is based upon. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And I'm finding that like AA is wonderful for certain people for certain times. It's very like rigid, which I needed at that time. Mm -hmm. It's very like, it's this or it's, or it's, it's this way or it's no way. Like you gotta leave kind of thing. And, and I understand that. And, um, you know, uh, but I was like, I, I just felt so much more expansive by that period in time. So yeah, I'd like to answer your question. I don't know. I find it a little bit like derogatory. I find the word alcoholic. I say like alcoholism, like I've, I've yeah. suffered from alcoholism but I don't like to identify myself necessarily as an alcoholic. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty loaded word as well. Nowadays, there's so much. Yeah. Stigma. And yeah. I think that's for me personally, what kept me stuck for so long was that stigma of that term alcoholic yeah. and me being afraid of even going in the realm of that word because yeah. of the limitation that I held to it. It's very interesting. And um, so whenever you were, getting sober and becoming a recovery coach what was it that you were kind of were you worried what people at work were going to think like, I, it was uh, yes but it was turned way down like yeah. way down and but you know the first each day that i got into this new recovery coach journey and further into my sober journey the less i just you know what i mean it's like one of those things like you fill up your life with so much stuff it just sort of edges out that background noise if that makes mm -hmm. sense Mm -hmm. so by that time i was just it was uh, the further along i get in this it's like it's it's that was just a different time in my life i'm very 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 open about it now and i'm having people that are showing up where normally i would cringe when i saw that they liked a post because of the content of the post i'm like oh that person knows that about me now like and i get like right in the face again that was happening like early on and now i'm yeah. like oh that's cool that you know now i'm like i you only know people to as as much as they want to show you 
and everybody has like a work persona, right? You're coming in, yeah. you have this like kind of closed off or guarded or like there's a bit of a performance, especially I'm sure you can relate with the, mm -hmm. you know, the restaurant industry, right? There's like, there's a bit of a performance to it, right? So now understanding that when if people are liking that, where normally I'd be like, oh, this person, yeah, now they know that about me. Perhaps, you know, in, in the comfort of their own home, that actually is resonating with them and it's giving them permission in a way. So I'm looking at it more like that as opposed to the like gossipy, oh crap, they're going to tell this person, bah, bah, bah. like that is just like turned so way down. It's always going to be there and I'm, it's yeah. fine. And I'm sure there is a bit of that. Again, that's like my actual like caring about that though is so like turned down, the, you know, from what it used to be for sure. Yeah, I even remember myself whenever I first started posting about my sobriety. Well, I actually started posting about it when I was getting sober on my Instagram. My name was at Mel is Sober. I thought that was very yes. And yeah. I, it was a private, it was public, like it, anyone could find it, but nobody I knew had it. And I kind of like gotcha. went and blocked a few people that it might yeah. have popped up for. Gotcha. And so with me transitioning to doing this for my business, I've unblocked those people and there's people in my real life who follow me now. And it's interesting you say that, like seeing somebody else has liked a certain post where I've shared yeah. something and been like, oh, like that literally right? me. It ha happens way less frequently now, but it did happen to me recently. Yeah. Whenever I shared about like turning three years sober recently, somebody liked it. But then, I also had a message from somebody who follows me through a friend that I have who was actually saying that my content was really resonating with them and that they're interested in taking my course. And part of me was like, what if this person is literally just following me? Not to make fun of me, like my brain yeah. used to tell me, but actually yeah. they're finding it valuable yes. and it's resonating with them. Yeah. Isn't that a wonderful feeling, you know, to have or like that change of mindset, right? And absolutely. Yeah. That's, uh, I love that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's super cool. Yeah. So how has your definition of success changed? Yeah. Ooh, I love that question. Yeah. That's or first, maybe. Yeah. Yes. What, does, yeah, yeah. what does success mean for you? Yeah. Free drinking? Because I'm sure there might've been totally. some residual, maybe disappointment there whenever your band didn't maybe go the way that you wanted it to. Sure there was. How yeah. did that manifest into? Yeah, there definitely was. Yeah, there was, so there was it's specific to the band, I'd say it was around 30 years old, uh, you know, where all, everything else was kind of happening there, I, where I, it was a tough pill to swallow where I realized it's okay, I'm going to go, uh, you know, full time into this, you know, assistant store manager gig. Um, and part of it, what, what it was, was that I was like, I couldn't understand why people weren't, um, the other people in the band weren't on the same commitment level as me. Um, and then actually the sobriety that I had in that first time around was like accepting that and realizing just getting an awareness that like i'm the songwriter i'm the singer i'm the guitar player the like i these are my feelings and my stories and i'm expecting my friends to like take that and run with it and have that same kind of emotional uh impact uh and commitment that i do to like me bearing my soul and i was like i realized i'm like man i'm fortunate i'm grateful i was really getting into like that whole grateful side of things i'm like i'm just grateful that i'm playing with my best friends and they're supporting me it was just this like complete change of perspective and just realizing like i'm just like really lucky that like something that comes out of my head and comes out through like music and you know words and song 
And I have two of my best friends that are like, Hey, I'd really like this. I'm going to help you with that. I'm like, why is that not enough for me? Why do I have to like, I kept saying, I remember I keep saying to my, my girlfriend at the time, um, like, I just wish there was like two more of me in the band because then like we get so much more done. And it's like, it's just ridiculous. Right. So, um, yeah, that was like, it, it was, like, yeah, it was nice. It was like a really gentle, uh, way of like changing my way of managing the band that like I say gentle because there was no like fights. I didn't need to have this like massive confrontation. I was super passive aggressive anyways. I wouldn't like yell at anybody necessarily. I just give them the cold shoulder. I'll, I'll practice. You know what I mean? That was my style. Right. So then just realizing and being thankful for what I did have. And then it, uh, honestly, that's what create. Like, you know, the, the band is still playing today. Like playing like my, me and the drummer have been playing together like 17 years now. And that never would have been the case if I was, if I had been such a, you know, like, let's get this done blah, blah, and like being uh, the drunk version of, of the band leader. Like, so like for me to be able to step back from that, it was just completely changed my perspective of who I was playing with. And then as a result, the band completely changed the dynamics and yeah, it was a beautiful thing. And, you know, we wrote a couple records. Uh, it was the first time I'd ever played music sober. Uh, even when I was 16, I'd have like a, like uh, you know at least a couple hoots or like a smoke a doobie before i picked up the guitar because i had this idea that like that's what made me creative or i'd have a couple beers before practice every single practice uh playing in a band curiously is like the only job they like encourage you to drink on the job like you show up you're like i'm in the band oh you got a you know it's got some beer backstage for you ready before you go up there i'm like perfect you know it yeah. was like uh, it was such a curious thing right so to look back on it uh, the definition of success though, like how it's changed overall and it definitely ties into like the whole career thing. Cause I'll tell you, oh man, it was the, the first challenge was the, the money side of it. Cause like I made the most that I'd ever made on that last year it was the most lucrative year I'd had working at, at save on foods, like 90 grand or whatever it was. And, uh, and to pay vacation and all this other stuff. And, um, for me to, I was getting paid every Friday and I had been paid every Friday since I was 16 until like whatever it That's was four, right <laughs> very much so so that yeah. I, even though i had planned for it uh or i thought i had planned for it uh that first friday on my sabbatical where i didn't get a paycheck on that friday it really affected me and i was like whoa ooh, that felt that feels weird and, uh, and then the next friday happened i'm like ah geez and then i realized that i you know i had cultivated and conditioned this like collapsed distinction of like self-worth and money and uh, it really took me by surprise and it took me months to like pull those apart and realize I have this like money story that like I'm only worth something if I'm like making money. And of course, when you're starting out as an entrepreneur, that's not a good, you know what I mean? It's good. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> right? So it was like that took a while. So but that was really yeah. good, a really good lesson to learn. And, and so my definition of success is far more based on like in, more of an intangible like, what am I experiencing? Am I experiencing, am I still able to experience joy, happiness, and security, even though I don't really necessarily know where my next paycheck's coming from? And the answer now, absolutely I can. So to me, that is a huge success, you know, realizing that like, I am not my money. I'm not the money I have in my bank account. I can live way below what I thought I was ever able to, you know, I'm not sure how it's for you, but like, when I was leveling up and just like, it was like, I was getting all the stuff. It was like the Jim Carrey thing. It's like the, I want people to realize that like the more stuff you get, 
uh, and the further along you get in that, that version of success, that's not what it is. And that's totally yeah. like we had the hot tub. We got this like awesome house. We bought like a, you know, the Westphalia pop top camper van. We had all this stuff, but meanwhile, all our monthly bills have been jacked up and I felt super trapped. You know, I like, I, I can't, I have no wiggle room. I have to keep either getting promoted or at least stay where I'm at. And I felt this real pressure and a real trap, the, you know, the golden handshake or handcuffs or whatever they call it. Right. So now realizing that I am literally living on less money than I was since I was probably like either late teens or early twenties. Right. And granted, I, I have these lump sums of money that I can put towards like monthly bills, but just so I've given myself this breathing room where I'm basically just paying for my groceries and my gas money. Um, and then when I do get a, you know, a injection of money from like a client or, or whatever it may be, I can use that to lessen some more monthly bills later on. And that's just working. And I'm just, I'm keeping it at a certain amount of money. I'm still able to do trips and all that. And just realizing like, to me, that is very successful, you know, like, um, and now I've given myself a sustainable foundation to just take my time with this uh, and just realizing, you know, it's like, it's not, you know, the overnight success takes years to, to yeah. fully happen. Right. So, and being okay with that too. So um, is that, I'm like that every day and not necessarily, of course, there's times where I'm just like, damn, like I'm working hard here. When is this going to pay off? Like, you know, I'm only human in that sense. Right. And just going like, there was a, there was actually a, I'll just do a quick little story here. I, I did a webinar the other day. I did all this outreach. I'd done like 800 people, including yourself, which is great. You know, I'm connecting with all these awesome people, you know, potential clients, referral partners, podcast partners, whatever it may be. Right. And, um, and then I, I was going to climax at this like webinar. I was going to invite like 60 people that I'd been having these really good back and forths with, the, you know, potential people I can help and such. And um, yeah, I got like, I don't know, it was like eight or nine people that showed up and then 25 people that were like, I can't make it because of the time, but I do want to see the replay. So I sent the replay out. So pretty good, you know, uh, attendance rate and such. And then following up with everybody. And it was just sort of like a little bit of ghosting and, you know, um, and I totally felt like the little boy, uh, like I have a summer birthday. It's like in August. So, uh, the little boy that like plans his birthday and like everybody's out of town. Right. Uh, then nobody came to my birthday. And just realizing that that's like, it's just a pattern inside of me. It's something I've experienced as a child and it's like showing back up. And normally I would have been like, eh, shut up, you know, push him back down, avoid it. Go, don't feel that. Let's look on Instagram, you know, do some kind of distraction to get away from that. I just sat with it for like a few days, you know, and just like, I was there for that, you know, side of me, like that little boy that's like, and just, it's okay. Like you, 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 you can feel that now, you know, getting, mm -hmm emotional talking about it. like you know so it's like oh, i could talk about this for yeah. a whole different episode with you right right it's so, so real like that business yeah. journey that just yeah. unearths so much of our programming i couldn't really even relate to that story that you were telling there like not being able to detach your personal worth from yeah. your business worth totally. and it's like Learn. It's something that you have to learn. It's not inherent yep. for us. Yep. So we need to give ourselves compassion and and grace with that. As you were doing, I think that's such an amazing way to deal with that head on and just yeah. sit with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, coming out of that sitting with it is, um, you know, it's, like, it's sort of like a masculine feminine thing, right? Like the feminine energy in me is like 
just instead of just doing the yang let's get, you walk it off you know what i mean like the uh, the old version of me would have done i was there like the more yin activity of just like being compassionate for myself exploring that journaling it about it meditating on it just really allowing that that and that way i can sort of have a release of that or at least um understand it more um uh you know and then out of that i definitely came like okay let's do this like i you know, I've allowed that space for it to, I've held space for that, that, um, you know, pattern of myself for that piece of me to show up and giving it some cap passion. And, you know, now it's like the masculine then kicks in. Okay. We, you know, we've, we've had our time. We know that about ourselves now, what can we do better? Let's get back on the horse. Let's do this. Right. So, and it feels so much more complete though. There isn't like that. Like I was running from something. It's like, I was there for myself. I've, I felt into it. I felt through it let's get back on the horse now. What can we do better? What can we do? You know, I mean, just like kind of take a look. Now the emotion is like, you know, had that chance to sort of like swell up and develop. And now we can just get back to the mechanics of the business without that like emotion attached to it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like this could be a separate episode. You just yeah. realized <laughs> things that I've been going through recently too. Wow. Wow. My business. Um, technically the beginning of 2022 around that time so really just about a year in and really relate to what you were saying there about having the consistent cash flow coming in because I had a salary job as a researcher and then there was kind of that whole mental block of taking a quote-unquote step down from that to become a coach from being yeah. a like PhD researcher psychologist to becoming a coach yeah. was just a big, very big jump and can imagine. be able to learn about money and unearth all of these beliefs and limiting beliefs and mindset and drama that I have around money and learn how to work through that is not something I would have ever done had I not taken the leap to become my own boss. So right. yes. in the it's moment beautiful. it's painful, but I'm sure we'll both come out the other side of this having beautiful relationships with our self-worth and money and yeah hundred percent and you know to circle back to the success thing to me like that what you just verbalized there that's success to me you know like that's a that's a large component of it you know what i mean yeah and and just quickly because i had to redefine success for myself um at the beginning of this year because i got into a very bad place with just equating my self-worth to how much money was coming in and that as a yeah. business owner is not consistent there's months where it's yeah. high, where it's low there's months where sometimes nothing comes in and that's all part of the process of that and something that i did was i redefined success to mean for two to define i define success as two things am i am i becoming a better leader mm. that day mm -hmm. am i being the best leader that i can be and am i helping people did I help someone today? And did I work on becoming a better leader today? And Beautiful. that is that are those are two much more useful questions that I can ask myself at the end of the day, rather yes. than how much money did I make today? Because Hell some yeah. make any money. I mean, I'm yes. always making money, but yep. I don't receive money every day. Yes, I love that. I love that yeah. distinction. Yeah, and that's what I'm. Uh, I, was, I was trying to articulate that when I say like I'm doing coaching full time. Is am I getting you know the traditional pay that I'm used to hourly pay? No. But am I setting it up that I will get paid for all this work that I'm doing at some point down the road? Absolutely. So yeah, I, lo yeah, I love the way that you said it there. 
Um, yeah. And I also like the, those two simple questions, you know, keeping it simple at the end of the day, I think for me, it's like, am I work, am I focusing on, uh, like survival or am I focusing on service? Mm-hmm. Obviously yeah. service, if I'm focusing on that, the whole survival thing is just like, it's a byproduct. It's, it's, you know, but if I'm survival based, that's when I'm thinking about like, oh, the money and like, oh, it's gotta be worth it to me. And I'm thinking about myself. Whereas if I'm thinking about service, I'm thinking about the value that I can bring to other people and then everything else just sort of sorts itself out, doesn't it? So yeah. that's mine. I'm like, which is very much echoes your, your, one of yours. And then the second one that I just came up with in the last week, uh, was as I sort of resolved that whole like inner boy situation that I had is the, I, I said it to myself, all I have to do is just enjoy my life. You know, yeah. like God has the rest of it. The universe has the rest of it the like the energy and what, how I'm bringing myself every day is very apparent. So I can just like take my hands off a lot of this stuff. I'm try, I still yeah. like to try and control and force things, you know what I mean? And I just like, I took a step back from that. I'm like, I just, all I have to do is enjoy the journey. And like the, uh, what I used to be so task focused and like crossing things off a to-do list and like, so achiever based, I'm really pulling myself away from that, which is so hard to do because that was like my life. Right. Uh, but, but when I said that to myself and just asked, you know, I did a prayer and just asked to the universe, to the Lord above, you know, like, can you just be the boss? Like, I don't, I'm tired of being the boss because it's just like, it's driving me nuts. And, uh, I felt this like inner peace. And now I'm just like, that's the mantra I keep using. I'm sure it'll sort of change over a period of time, but it's like, all I have to do just enjoy my life you know i'm just yes. and, and i just even me saying that oh it feels so relaxing so yeah the uh, focus on service it was i focused on service today and all i have to do is enjoy my life so those are my two yeah if it's not fun we're not doing it like why do we yes. miserable jobs to just be miserable again right but okay um, but it's funny funny you mentioned that because to me and I, i'm curious if this has happened for you i had this idea that w- when you're working, you have to be stressed out. There has to be an urgency. You have to have your breath trapped in your chest. You have to be like, what's next? You know, like, did you have that too? Cause I certainly had that conditioned into me. There was, again, the talking class distinction, urgency, stress, work, they're together. Yes. They can't, they can't, you can't be relaxed and, and work. You know what yeah. I mean? Did you have the same thing? Oh my gosh, definitely. And that like, yeah. you had to be strapped down at your desk from nine to five in order to have a productive work day. And it's like, I didn't drive in that setting anyway. So I'd love just to wrap things up. Yeah. Any advice for somebody on a sobriety journey who is thinking about making a career change? What would you, what would you say to them? Yeah. You know, the best, the easiest thing to say would just be like, just listen, just do some listening, you know, start with that. Um, From the listening, you know, it can start, showing up in some journaling perhaps, but just really listen that like, as I was mentioning with me, there's like this feeling. So if there's a feeling of whether it's dread, anxiety, um, uncertainty around the current job that you're in, listen to that and, uh, ask it, ask that sensation. What are you trying to tell me? You know, it's, it sounds a little bit kind of woo woo or weird. Uh, it's not though. It really, it really works. What are you trying to tell me, you know, and, uh, and be there for that. Uh, also, uh, I, I would definitely suggest doing what I did and it sounds simple and it is simple is write down what you currently like about the job that you are in. Cause certainly there's aspects that you, that you mm-hmm. will like, um, and then write about on the other column, things that you're passionate about that you wish you had more time for, or if you, if all things were the same, you would have more time for, 
and just see where there's some connection points in there. And that's like what, what did it for me. And it's a great awareness exercise as well. So those would be my two pieces of advice. Yeah, those are great pieces of advice. Our, our emotions are our biggest teachers at the end of the day. And that list thing, I'm sure people would find so helpful because people would be like, I don't have any other skills that would transfer. I don't have transferable yeah. skills. Like, right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming on the mm. podcast and sharing your story. Yeah. It was lovely to talk with you again. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'll link your, your podcast in the show notes, but um, pimp yourself out. Where can people find you? <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. And we'll definitely, I like, I'm really loving our conversations, you know, so we'll definitely have to, um, I, I think we both identified there's a few topics that we could just do like a part two on either of our podcasts yeah, or do an Instagram live thing. Yeah, Instagram live. That'd be yeah, really cool. Oh, so let's, okay. let's do let's that. Yeah. After. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. So thank you very much. And yeah, pleasure being on here again, really enjoying these conversations that we're having. Uh, so you can find me at recoveryroadmap.me. So that is my Instagram handle. I'm on Instagram quite a bit. So if, uh, if you give me a follow, I will definitely reach out to you. I always welcome my new followers and easy to DM me on there. It's also my website. I'm right in the middle of redeveloping it. So give me a couple of days, probably by the time this is aired, I'll have yeah. a new website out. So recoveryroadmap.me. I also have, uh, so it's Matt Gardner live, which is my YouTube channel, sort of a variety show of like there's sound therapy, breath work, guided meditation, all my podcasts and everything live on there. And Matt Gardner live is also my Facebook uh, community page. So yeah, uh, recoveryroadmap.me and Matt Gardner live. Oh, and the podcast is beyond recovery and I will link your show as well in, in your show notes. So yeah, perfect. Everyone go check those links out down below in the show notes. And thanks again, Matt, for being an amazing guest. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you for listening to this episode of Working Sober. I hope that you found it informative and inspiring. Make sure you join our community over on Substack where we share resources, stories, and support for those navigating this transformational journey. To subscribe, simply visit workingsober.substack.com or head to the link in the show notes and enter your email address. It's completely free and you'll receive our latest newsletter directly in your inbox. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. It helps us reach more people who can benefit from our message. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, keep working sober and pursuing your dreams.